1 Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 41. This is God's word, eternally true. Verse 41. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, became king of Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 25 years. His mother's name was Azubah, daughter of Shilhi. In everything he walked in the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed. And the people continued to offer sacrifices and burnt incense there. Jehoshaphat was also at peace with the king of Israel. As for the other events of Jehoshaphat's reign, the things he achieved and his military exploits, are they not written in the annals of the kings of Judah? He rid the land of the rest of the male shrine prostitutes who remained there even after the reign of his father Asa. There was then no king in Edom. A deputy ruled. Now Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never set sail. They were wrecked at Ezion Geber. At that time, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my men sail with your men. But Jehoshaphat refused. Then Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers and was buried with them in the city of David, his father. And Jehoram, his son, succeeded him. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the seventeenth year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel for two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he walked in the ways of his father and mother and in the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who caused Israel to sin. He served and worshipped Baal and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger, just as his father had done. Here ends our reading. Uh, there's a response of thankfulness printed for you up here on the screen or down there in your bulletin. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks indeed. Let's pray. If you are in a, a Muslim country, um, you'll know that daily life is affected by belief, uh, by who is God there. And that is they have times during the day where they face Mecca and, and kneel and pray. Um, so their God, Allah, um, affects, their, affects their daily lives. Uh, if you have an Apple Watch, which I did for two weeks, it drove me crazy, so I gave it up. Uh, too much information. Too many details I did not want to know. Um, but uh, if you have an Apple Watch, uh, you know that there's a setting at least that you can let fly that, that uh, tells you when to get up and move around. Um, but if you're at a funeral, who do you obey? Uh, if you're at a wedding service, uh, whom do you obey there? If your Apple Watch is dinging at you, do you get up in the middle of that service and walk around? If you are visiting another company's boardroom and you're a representative of your company and you need that company's business and your Apple Watch dings at you, do you get up and walk around at that board meeting? Um, who wins? Is health your God or your Apple Watch? 
Um, our lives, our long-term decisions are also affected. Um, and those things that are long-term decisions, they can be gods for us. When I was uh, maybe five years old, my parents had visited Boston and they got a big banner that said Harvard on it. And so all when I went through school, uh, that was, so to speak, a god for me. And that made a difference in how I approached class. Um, I uh, tried to get everything right all the time. And, uh, and I was working hard in school because that, was my, because that was my goal. As you see here in your introduction, if you'd like to fill out blanks in an outline, you're welcome to do that. If you want to, you can just listen. That's fine too, whichever is easier for you and helps you learn. But every person has a God or gods. Every person has a God or gods. Those are two blanks for you if you're starting. And this affects his or her daily life and his or her long-term decisions. Whatever is your God will affect your daily life and your long-term decisions. So we talked about that a little bit. If you're a Muslim in a Muslim country, that affects your daily life. If you have an Apple Watch, that can affect your daily life if that's your God or if your health is your God. One thing I try to watch out for in, um, uh, by the way, I should say this during, during prayer, but I'm very thankful I'm able to run now. I wasn't able to run for six months and, and things are just going well. And, and so far I'm just, you know, able to do everything. I'm six months out of shape. Uh, you know, I can feel that and my paces aren't as fast, but I'm very thankful to the Lord for, for uh, giving me some, some healing there. But one thing I'm, uh, I'm watching, I've got a free marathon I can do in, in Nashville, um, Tennessee, um, in a April 22nd. That's a Saturday. Wouldn't run it on a Sunday. I may be tired on the 23rd. That's a warning. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, one thing I watch out with that is it requires a lot of running, and I never want that running to be, if there's a decision between doing something for you guys and running, or something for the Lord, it's a lot less for my family now. It used to be an issue when I had five kids in the house. I never wanted that to be you know, where I wasn't being a good father and husband because I was out you know, running. Uh, but I always take that into consideration. And so when I run, I listen to uh, seminary lectures and things that are informing. Um, we're going into the Gospel of John next, uh, if we make it there next week or the week after. And so I'm list I've been through, I'm in th the third series of lectures on the Gospel of John right now as I run. Um, I literally have welcome slips with me on my, on my slow runs, and I'm praying for you guys <laughs> as I run, run along. I have a directory that I carry sometimes as I pray for you guys as I'm running along. But, but things can be a God for us that affect our daily lives. Um, and and it, it's um, a key question that we see as we look at this passage. Um, who is the God of uh, Ahaziah, who's the God of Je uh, Jehoshaphat. Um, and so first thing here we want to look at, number one, is remember who your God is not. Remember who your God is not. Um, we can see this in verse 43 and verse, uh, verse 53. Um, verse 43 there, look in your Bibles. Um, and everything, uh, Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of his father Asa, and he did not stray from them. He did what was right 
in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, but then also we see that, you know, not always do you say, oh, I always do that. Not always. Does it, that doesn't always mean I do that each and every time. And, and you see these qualifications made for Jehoshaphat, too. One thing he didn't get right, as we go on in the verses, on the verse there, the high places, however, were not removed, and the people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Now, we saw in, in our earlier passages that we looked in and in the worship service, that God specifically forbid, Deuteronomy 12, that he would be offered sacrifices at any place other, 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 other than uh, the place, the altar that he would provide for his people. And that altar was at the tabernacle um, until the temple was built. And then, and, that, and a lot of the time that was at Shiloh, um, where Samuel was, but then but then David brings uh, the, the temple and all the stuff for the temple to be built. Solomon builds the temple and the temple's up and running during Jehoshaphat's day. And people were only to bring sacrifices uh, to the place God would put his name or his presence. And that was Jerusalem. They were only to offer sacrifices to him in Jerusalem at that burnt altar, the bronze altar, the big one that uh, stood before the ta- the. Um, temple proper in Jerusalem, that structure that Solomon had built. And Jehoshaphat, being king, was in charge of making sure worship in Israel was correct, as we talked about last week, and he didn't correct this. Um, but one little, little, little kink or little thing to realize about this is these places where people were offering sacrifices, um, were places where the pagan gods had been worshipped by the Canaanites before Joshua and the people came in. So there was an extra kind of evil or or crooked aspect to this. Um, Some of you have heard of the idea of the regulative principle. That is, worship God in the way he says he wants to be worshipped. And this is a place we can come to this. And so we don't dribble basketballs to worship God um, during a worship service, right? Uh, we don't throw frisbees as worship during. That's not in our our order of worship here. Frisbee throwing time, because God doesn't direct us to worship Him in that way. And so God had directed that He be worshipped only through sacrifices being brought to Jerusalem at the altar there, and if they were offered any other place, there was trouble, because they weren't obeying Him. Not hard to do. They could do this. Um, and so Jehoshaphat forgot, you know what? God is my God. I need to obey him in every way. Um, then we can look at verse 53 as well. Look there. With Ahaziah, king of Israel. Now, these were Israel with the northern ten tribes. And these kings were not sons of David. They were kind of renegade kings, not properly kings over God's people, uh, which God declared in uh, uh, Second Samuel 7, needed to be a son of David. But verse 53, uh, Ahaziah, he served and worshipped Baal. So that was obvious, <laughs> you know, who his God was. Worshipped and served Baal and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger, just as his father had done, his father Ahab, that we've been reading about in the past weeks. Um, so uh, what is your God? Uh, what is a person's God? How do we determine what a person's God is? 
And so if you look here in A in your outline here, the determiner um, of who your God is, is who you obey above all else. That's who your God is, who you obey above all else. Now, sometimes, you know, it's a work situation. You've got an employer and he says, I want you to take care of this report. And so you obey him, but you're not obeying him over and against God because there's no command in scripture that says you shall not do that report on this specific topic. And so God leaves us free to obey all our authorities so far as they do not ask us to disobey him and what he has specifically commanded us to do. So if you're in the mafia and your boss tells you, kill this guy, you can't do it. Because <laughs> God is your God and it's time to get out of the mafia. Um, but but, but that's, that's what determines uh, who our God is. Who we obey all, uh, above all. When push comes to shove, if God's commands of what he's told us not to do or what he's commanded us to do, if that comes up and against the command or some desire that we have to do something in our heart or some goal that we have, you know, most marathons are run on Sundays. You know, some of you know the reason I have this, this free marathon to do in, in Nashville is because I paid for a marathon. Well, I didn't. I raised money for St. Jude's, and so I got in free. <laughs> but but I have a paid marathon from Savannah, Georgia, from two Novembers ago that got rained out. And so they, they allowed me to push that forward. But you know what? When I got rained out that Saturday, the Raleigh Marathon was Sunday morning. The next day, I was in complete shape to run that thing. But who's my God? So what if I train 12 weeks? Who's my God? What's, is Satan going to buy me there? Right? And I, I've done it before. I lost my voice once. And Jeff, when we were in here in the very first time, and Jeff Smith, I called him up and I said, I need you to come preach. I don't have a voice. And he came and preached to you from the Psalms. Um, but, but that's a question we have. What, who's my God? My running? My getting to run a marathon I'd never run before? Or is God my God? Um, what, what sacrifice is too great to make to the Lord? And so, you know, I've never run a marathon to this, to this day. Uh, but, but we have questions like that. Things that we're doing, legitimate goals, running a marathon, but it becomes illegitimate if it's on a Sunday morning, a day I'm supposed to rest. Marathoning's not resting. And worship. Um, so we have those questions. The determiner of who your God is is who you obey above all, whom you serve and bow down to. And that's that, those are the words we say in the Old Testament. You can see it in verse 53 there. He served and worshipped Baal. Both of these words are not specifically worshipped. Uh, in in, in, in uh, the scripture, you see serve and bow are the two words that are used for worship. And, and so you just have to contextually see what it's talking about there. And so to serve a God, we know, we know this automatically. You know, to serve a God is to worship him. Uh, but to bow down to a God is to worship him too. But it could be literally bowing down to him, getting on your knees and 
putting your head down. But but this is what this is what Ahaziah does. He bows down to, he serves, he worships Baal. Um, and Jehoshaphat, at least in one way, followed his father Asa in letting the high places continue. This was not something Jehoshaphat built or or started, but he just allowed it to continue. Uh, which his father had allowed to continue, as opposed to what God had commanded in Deuteronomy 12. Now, Jesus is another thing. He's tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, and he's tempted, we're told, in three different ways. Perhaps he's tempted in more ways that just aren't recorded for us in Scripture. He was there for 40 days. That's a long time. Uh, but he does not obey Satan in the 40 days of his temptation in the wilderness in Matthew 4. Um, he's given all these things, and, and Jesus, what, specifically cites commands of God that these commands would be breaking. And then he says, no, I will not do this. For the Lord's word says this. You know, if it, if you haven't you read it? It's written here. Um, so what we obey is our God. And Jesus perfectly shows that his father is his God. He obeys his father above all else. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, Jesus is struggling in Luke 22, 42, where he had to go to the cross. His father has told him to go to the cross. His father sent him to earth, made him a zygote to go to the cross. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's his whole purpose, but he struggles with that. And he says, Father, if, it's, you know, if you're willing... Uh, let this cup, the cup of your wrath, pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus God is his father. He models that perfectly for us. Above all, if it's, if it's obey your father or die, obey your father in heaven. You know, that's, that's the call, call the martyrs follow. That I'll, I'll obey the Father, even if it costs me my life. It's what the apostles followed. Uh, all that we know of, except for except for John, who who uh, uh, died of old age, it looks like. So, um, your God is not your dad. It's not your mom. Uh, if they say do this, and it's something that God has forbidden you to do, you can't do it. Uh, if they say uh, do this in this way, you can't do it. I had, a, I had a doctor tell me this this week uh, as he was referring me to another doctor. Well, just tell him this. Don't lie, but tell him this. And then he told me this lie to say. <laughs> you know, and I didn't I didn't call him out or anything, but I, you know, just no, no, not going to do that. Uh, no, but, uh, you, you know, so so your your mom or your dad is not your God and you adults you know things that your mom and their, your dad taught you. And insofar as they agree with the word of God, great. You can walk in that way. But insofar as that thing does not agree, is at a wedding once and the dad and the dad told his, his son, you know, there are sometimes you're going to have to uh, ignore your wife and just go at your work. And she's going to have to suffer. And, uh, and <laughs> the... Uh, so his, his uh, uh, stepdad had said that to him, and uh, he came over and and uh, told his his uh, father-in-law, the father of the, you know his new new wife, 
don't worry, I won't do that. Because he is a believer. And he knew his priority was his, his bride, um, was his bride first. So your dad is not your God. Your mom is not your God. Um, if they say uh, things to do that are against God's word, now we honor them. Uh, that's commanded of us, even as we have to disobey. Okay, so if you're if you're uh, you know called into ministry and and your dad wants you to go be a lawyer or something like that, um, you need to honor your father, but go into ministry. Um, whatever, you know, all kinds of situations, all kinds of situations like that. Um, your God is not your work. Uh, your God is not your work colleagues. Uh, your God is not your boss. Insofar as any of them tell you to transgress the word of God, the scriptures, what God has made clear we are to do. Um, your God is not your believing friends who've got scripture wrong. Uh, your God is not your former or current pastor if he gets the scriptures wrong. God is your God. Um, have your pastor help you with the scriptures, but if you become convinced from the scriptures that your pastor is ignoring something and you talk to him about that and he continues to ignore it and he says, don't pay attention to that, um, then, then you want to go with scripture. God is your God. You know, think of all the pastors who have things wrong right now on the face of the earth. Okay. Um, and, and realize here with that, um, that uh, we all have decisions that we make about what is true in Scripture. In Sunday school, you've heard us talk about the, a web of multiple reciprocities. That's a fun thing to say fast. Uh, it means that every belief we have about God that we've gotten about our Christianity and other things too, but we'll talk about this. You know, so I believe this, thus and so about God from the scriptures. And I grew up with a pastor, a believing pastor, a good guy. I'm loyal to him. I have allegiance to him. Um, and he taught this way about the scriptures. But there were always things in the scriptures that I thought that doesn't quite fit with what I've heard him taught or heard him teach. Sorry. Um, and then you come across other teaching there by a Christian pastor or teacher or something. And he puts together the passages that have been bothering you because they didn't fit your former pastor's teaching. Now, you have an issue because now you become biblically convinced that this former pastor of yours or even your current pastor, whom you love, whom you're loyal to, whom you are grateful to for all the things he's taught you and for where your life is today because of things you've learned from him, um, from your loyalty to the Lord, because he's demonstrated that to you as you were growing up or whatever. Now you have all these loyalties. And so it's like you have a spider web. Okay, think, you know, Toby Maguire or whoever your favorite Spider-Man is there. I'm a Toby guy. Sorry. I'm a pre-Marvel Universe guy. Um, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Not against the Marvel Universe. Okay, did I get you back? Okay. <laughs> but you've got, you've got a, a web stuck to that pastor. But you've also got a web now off on Scripture. You've been convinced from 12 places in Scripture that your former pastor is wrong. 
what do you do? Whom are you loyal to? Who's your God? That's a web of... Mul- and you know what? Your, your parents love that pastor too. And so you've got a web to your parents back there and they've got a web to your pastor too. And then you've got friends that you grew up in that church that you're still, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever friends with or they live by you still. And you've got these webs with them too. And you're connected to all these people who love your pastor, who taught you this thing that you now understand to be wrong. Not evil, just not biblically accurate. We all have those things, you know, things that you used to think that you were taught and that kind of thing. And that's that's what we're talking about, a web of multiple reciprocities. It's like we're a spider in the middle of a web, you know, with all these connections to all these things. And what happens is that then when you become convinced of something clearly in the scriptures, you know what you got to do? You got to break your web in the wrong direction. Because these folks are not your God. You don't bow down to them and what they believe. You don't say, oh, Asa's my father. He let the high places exist. He's my God. I'm going to let them exist. God says to, to Jehoshaphat, no, I know he's your father. Honor him, but cut this web. That's wrong to let the high places exist and to let people worship me on these high places. Because I'm your God. And I've clearly said to you in Deuteronomy 12 and Leviticus, I think it's 17. It's listed here, down down here. That you worship me only in the place. That you offer your offerings only in the place that I say on my altar that I provide and approve. Um. So, so we need to be aware of that, that web of multiple reciprocities. Um, note two, just a couple of things here, a couple of other things that can be a God to you. I know because I'm just going to name my own things. Your God is not your favorite music group. Okay, so I love the Beatles. And I was listening to a podcast. Uh, Paul Rudd was on with uh, Dana Carvey and, and David Spade, and they're all Beatles fans. And so they were all going Beatles crazy yesterday as I was running. It was Saturday, so I was listening to that. And, uh, and, and they're, they're talking about this. But when, when John and Paul or, or, Ringo, or Ringo or George, they say something that doesn't agree with the scriptures, you know what my heart wants to do? I want to agree with them because they're my heroes. But I have to say, but what they're saying there is wrong. I have to remember, sorry, they should be over here. I have to remember that the God is my God. Um, so, so just because your, your favorite music group believes something or practices something doesn't mean that I, that I say that's okay. We're going to fill in a whole bunch of blanks in a little bit. So we're still, we're still stuck here. So don't worry. Um, or, or your, your favorite athlete. I have a favorite tennis player and, uh, he divorced his first wife and, and, uh, immediately started dating someone else. Not before he divorced his first wife. But, but then didn't get married to the woman who ended up being his second wife. And so they had a, a child about two weeks after um, he was married because they said, well, our kid's going to be born in two weeks. We should get married. And so they, they did that. But, you know, I, I, I've read his autobiography recently and I, I want to justify him because I like him a lot. I've liked him since he first came on the scene. Uh, but I can't because my heart belongs over here with the Lord. It says, you know what? 
I, I love this guy, but but I can't just I can't say that's okay. Right? One one wife for good, and there was no adultery on the first with the first wife in either direction. There was no um, abuse or anything justifying divorce. It was just they didn't like each other uh, anymore. Um, and, and so I have to say that was a bad thing he did. Uh, I love him as a tennis player, and I root for him, and I hope he comes to faith. Uh, but but God is God is my God. Um, so, you know, you know that I was the Buckeyes. So, you know, it's, I can't justify, you know, those those things. Just because it's Ohio State, I can't say that's great. Okay, now a bunch of blanks for you. Uh, B, um, so if they do wrong, we name it as wrong um, in our hearts and in our minds. Okay, we don't stand over them as judge and condemn them. But we say that practice is wrong or that belief is wrong. We identify that in our minds because we're comparing it. This is this is the will of our of our God right here, this Bible. Um, so B, persons I admire, persons you admire or like or have some allegiance to. People you admire or like or have some allegiance to now or in the past are not your God. Neither are those who intimidate you. Sometimes that's the case. You have someone intimidating who's making you do something and providing intimidating, threatening consequences for you if you don't. And what they are uh, uh, telling you to do would be sin. Okay, so those you admire or like or have some allegiance to now or in the past are not your God. Neither are those who intimidate you. So think about, you know, in the intimidation field there. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel 3. Okay, they're, they're told, bow down to me, bow down to this statue of me, or you'll be tossed into the, the furnace of incredible heat, the fiery furnace. And they say to Nebuchadnezzar, when he gets really mad at him, gives him a second chance, gets really mad at him, and they say, we will not bow down to you, O king. And our God will rescue us from your hands. But even if he doesn't know this, you're not our God. We will not bow down to you. Okay, so that's an example of someone intimidating you. Or, or Jesus with Satan there. You know, offering intimidation to him, but he doesn't, he doesn't bow. Um, Jesus in, in uh, his 40 days in the wilderness, um, he remembers his God is not the one who's trying to entice and intimidate him. Um, so he follows his father. So C, C. So uh, applying this to your lives. If someone you admire or like or have some allegiance to now or in the past believes, that's your blank, believes something that is unbiblical. Number one, do not excuse or justify it. Don't excuse or justify it. Do not agree and say it's okay. Even if it's someone you admire or have allegiance to, if they believe something that's not biblical, do not agree with it just because you have allegiance to them. Right? Some of you have unbelieving... Is it the... I don't know how to turn that off. There we go. Um... Even though we have allegiance to them. So 
I have a pastor who marked me more than any other in my past. And uh, if you knew him and saw me preach, you would see certain things that come out. It's not like I'm trying to act like him. I'm just myself up here. But, you know, you're around people and you pick up things. You know, if you're married, you know, that sounded like your mom. You know, you say to your spouse because she just picked up things or he picked up things. And so I just picked up things. I'm tremendously uh, loyal and grateful to him. I have allegiance to him. I root for him. We're connected on Facebook. Um, He's retired now and enjoying his uh, retirement and well-deserved. He's been very faithful, a very faithful voice. But there are things I disagree with. He for instance, we were talking about this in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago. All, all babies who die go to heaven. Uh, he believed that. Uh, I don't think the Bible supports that. Um, but but it doesn't mean, um, your parentheses there, um, it does not mean I'm calling uh, him a terrible person nor an idiot. And that's a distinction you need to have as a Christian person. So you can cut these webs. You can cut the strands of the web to a, a, a former pastor, a former teacher, a father or a teacher or a coach who taught you some principle that you felt was a good principle and that you've lived your life by. But then you see scripture and God teaching you something else. You can cut this without calling him or her an idiot without breaking off your relationship with that person. You can cut that, that belief, and say, I don't agree with that anymore, without uh, um, uh, being abusive to that person or uh, 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 speaking poorly of that person. Okay? And so you need to make that distinction as a Christian person. So here's how I deal with it in my ministry over this last, you know, 20-some years. Um, you know, I'm a Presbyterian pastor, so we believe in election and infant baptism. So I all the time have people who come to understand that infant baptism is something that Scripture supports. And they come to understand election is something that Scripture supports, right? The word predestination, election, for nations, 44 plus times in the New Testament. On the words of, on the lips of Jesus and Paul and, and Peter uh, and, and, and others. Okay, so it's something like you just have to blatantly deny that. But but they so here's how it comes to be. People come to learn this either from me or kind of just from being around that this makes sense biblically. But they grew up with pastors and teachers and they have a mom and dad that think infant baptism is of the devil because they just associate it with Roman Catholic infant baptism, which says that that saves a person, which we don't say, and the Bible doesn't say that it saves a person any more than circumcision did in the Old Testament. Okay, and that's the that's the connection Paul makes in Colossians 2, that infant baptism has taken over for circumcision. God marks not only the people who have faith, but he promises to take special care of their kids too. So that there's a big likelihood they're going to come to faith too and be saved when they come to faith. Not all of them will. There will be Jacobs and Esau's, right? Esau doesn't come to faith. He's not a part of the covenant people. He walks away from it. Um, 
but Jacob stay, Jacob stays in. Um, so we see see this you know with this, and I've had people sit with me in my office when I had an office and say, "I believe this is true, but I've been a Baptist all my life. I just can't do it." And it's because he had these emotional ties in in his webs of people he knew and he. Uh, and, and had served with in, in ministry and that kind of thing. And he knew, he was telling me, I know biblically this is true, but I can't assent to it because I've got these ties. Okay, And we don't want to do that. Um, election, the same kind of thing. Some of you grew up in a background where you were told election is of the devil, basically. And that means we're all robots. But you come in and you find out, no, that doesn't mean we're all robots. Um and but but then you see Jesus is teaching election. All that the Father brings to me will come to me, and I will not turn them away. So the Father's the initiator there. Uh, you, you you read you know that that we're chosen by the Father. First um, Peter one two. All these passages. Uh, and so you come to a crux point. Do I believe the Bible or do I stick with people who said, oh, that election, that's dangerous. All right. And so we, we cut off, we cut off these webs, these, these little, what's whatever a single web strand is called. We cut off these strands, but it doesn't mean we're calling people who don't like the, the idea of election an idiot or a jerk or unfaithful to Jesus. We're not saying that. Um, we don't have to agree in every single point with every other Christian without calling them or with calling them, whichever it is, you know, an idiot or stupid or unfaithful. We're not saying that. Um, you know, there are plenty of uh, Baptist pastors, charismatic pastors, all kinds of things who believe the Bible and they don't believe in infant baptism. Or they believe the Bible and they don't believe in election. It doesn't mean they're not a believer in Jesus. It doesn't mean they're not my brother and sister in Christ. It doesn't mean they're an, an idiot. Uh, but you, as you develop in your faith, what you want to what you want to do is keep that keep that clear. Yeah, my parents believe this, and love your parents and honor your parents. But I see that this wasn't that this these beliefs weren't right, or this particular belief wasn't right. And not just because you you know you want to break free and be independent of your parents. But because this is saying, John, come on, Jehoshaphat, come on. How clear can how clear do you need me to be in Deuteronomy 12 that you don't offer offerings, sacrifices on the high places? That this is a great evil to me. And so uh, this is where Jehoshaphat fails. He, he, he is faithful to his father, his dad rather than faithful faithful to the Lord. So if someone has a belief that's unbiblical, don't excuse or justify it. Do not agree and say it's okay like Jehoshaphat did with the high places. Number two, number two. And do not uh, uh, change to believe what they believe if you have an allegiance to them or do not continue to believe it. That is, if you believed with them before and scripture teaches you something more accurate um, don't continue um, just because you have this connection to somebody in the past. Uh, Ahaziah continued to believe that Baal was God. Is that a good thing to continue to believe? No, no. Ahaziah should have said, you know what? 
the Lord God, the, the God that the, the guys down south in Judah, that they are worshiping, he is God. And Ahaziah should have told his people, and we should be bringing our offerings to the God of Israel. Um, you see that in verse 53, the God of Israel. Um, we should be bringing our offerings to the God of Israel down in Jerusalem. And even if we're not politically united, um, they're going to let us in there uh, to, to, to the temple to worship. There were northern Israelites who came down. There were priests who lived up in the north in the northern tribes who came down and served in Jerusalem all during the time of the divided kingdom. So don't change or continue to believe something that um, you find out from Scripture doesn't doesn't uh, hold weight. And then D, if someone you admire or like or have some allegiance to now or in the past uh, practices or does practices or does something or some things that are contrary to God's ways, that's your blank, that are contrary to God's ways, likewise, do not excuse or justify it. Do not agree that it's okay to do whether it's high places or worshiping Baal. So belief and action, both of those things, don't just agree because you've got someone you like who believes wrongly or who acts wrongly. Don't just agree that that belief is okay because of that allegiance. Don't just agree that that practice is okay because of that allegiance. This is hard for us to, you know, as we come to be adults and we look at, you know, where our parents' faith is, if our parents aren't, Faithfully believing in, in the right ways. It, it's hard for us, but we honor. We honor our parents, but we don't continue to walk in their ways any more than Ahaziah should have continued to walk in his father Ahab's ways, or Jehoshaphat uh, could uh, should have uh, walked in Asa's ways in regard to the high places. Um, so uh, do not, number two, do not do the same. Uh, do not do the same. So we don't excuse or justify it. We do not agree it's okay to do. Uh, and we do not do the same. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 1 through 8, Hey, you see these religious leaders around you, the Jews around you? See how they pray on the street corners so that everybody sees them? I tell you, don't pray as they pray. Don't do the same. They have their reward in full. But when you pray... Go someplace and pray in secret. And then your Father in heaven who sees you will reward you. Okay, so Jesus declares, you know, that this practice is wrong, so do something else. Don't do the same. And so Jesus does this. He makes this kind of uh, correction to the Jewish leadership on giving and prayer and fasting. Okay, so and those were the leaders of the Jews. Right then, and Jesus is talking to the Jews and saying, don't follow the practice of your leaders. In these ways, they've got it wrong. Okay, so when you fast, don't let everyone know you're fasting and look all haggard. Um, but, 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 but do it in a way that only the Lord uh, sees. Uh, when you give, don't do it publicly and tell everybody you're giving money. But, but to use an expression, don't even let your right hand see what your left hand is doing and vice versa. Just have it be in secret so the Lord, the Lord sees. So E, E, believing and behaving like others who are not aligned to the scripture brings hardship. It brings hardship. Look at verse 53. Ahaziah, believing and behaving like the parents, like his parents and the previous kings of the north, 
provoke the Lord to anger. He provoked the Lord to anger. This is what he got as he just followed those whom he had allegiance to, um, his father. Now, number two, number two. So recognize this and have this in your mind always. Your God is Jesus. Your God is Jesus. Notice this, and, and, and it's, it's making a point. We read it so many times we don't think about it. Look at verse 53 again. Now, the kings in the north, they were still from, they were still descendants from Israel, from Jacob. Okay, they were kings over ten of the tribes of Israel. So who should have been their God? The God of Israel. And so look now at what verse 53 says in regard to Ahaziah, who was the king in the north, the king over northern Israel. He served and worshipped Baal, the name of that God, and provoked the Lord, all caps, that's Yahweh or Jehovah. That's how God self-reveals himself. Okay, so he, he worshipped Baal and provoked the Lord. Who's the Lord? The God of Israel. See that little rebuke in there? Who should have been Ahaziah's God? Because he was part of Israel. The Lord, Yahweh, and, and, and not Baal. And so we want to keep in mind and always have this, always have this in our mind as we're going about in our lives, that our Lord is the God of Israel. Um, the writer of Kings uh, doesn't just say that Ahaziah provoked the Lord to anger. He said he provoked the one who should have been his Lord and his God to anger. And never get in that place where by your practice and your belief, you're worshiping some other God instead of the one you're supposed to be worshiping. Um, so your God is, is Jesus. Two things. Number one, the God in Israel. In other words, uh, one who should have been his God. Uh, is named as the one he was still responsible for too. It's Yahweh. Number two, it's Yahweh and not Baal. But uh, our God is Jesus. And that's what we read in our declaration of the gospel. Look there on your bulletin if you want to. Um, our declaration of the gospel. It communicates to us that Jesus is God. Um, John starts out quoting Genesis 1.1. Uh, and he says, in the beginning. And he tells us, who was the creator? Which member of the Trinity was the creator? And he tells us that this creator God that Israel served from Genesis 1-1 was Jesus. See how he does it? He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh. Sounds like Jesus and it is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Jesus, who is now at the Father's side, has made has made him known. Okay, so Jesus is our God, and just know that. And when you feel that weird feeling inside when you've been tempted to do something, or you just feel something's not right about this, remember, Jesus is my God. Jesus is my God, and what defines who my God is, is whom I obey above all else. And that guides and directs us, and he will, and he will, keep, us, he will keep us safe in that. Let's end with that. We'll pick up with three, three and four uh, next week. 
seeing how this, uh, seeing how we do that and how we maintain and how we have Jesus being our God affect our lives. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we love you and we are glad that you sent your son Jesus uh, to the earth to bear our sins in his body on the cross so that as many as received him, you gave the right to become children of God. Thank you for giving us your spirit, enabling our eyes to see and our ears to hear so we could see and believe that Jesus, who came to this earth, who spoke and and did miracles, who was killed and was absent from the grave, um, has risen and is at your side and is the only name given among men by which men may be saved. Thank you for giving us uh, a gift of life and through that saving faith in your son, Jesus. Uh, we pray that you would help us in our lives uh, to sort out um, who we are following and to see things on that on that level. Um, who am I following? Who am I obeying? And to align our lives uh, with you and with your will, uh, with what you've said for us to do and to be in the scriptures. Uh, we pray that you'd make us loyal and loving to you, Father, and to your beloved Son, Jesus. And may our lives reflect this as we uh, behave, as we walk, as we act, as we think, and as we speak. We pray this, Father, in, in the name of your Son, Jesus, our King and our God. Amen. Let's now stand together and sing, uh, Take My Life and Let It Be.